Hello, welcome back to the Matt Pfeiffer Experience. I am your host, Matthew Pfeiffer, and we have on a very special guest. His name is Gary Bird. He is out of California, and he is someone who runs a marketing agency. And we're going to be talking about how to run a business without your business running you. With all that being said, let's go ahead and get this show started and introduce you to Gary. Gary, welcome to the show. We are so glad to, to see you here. You've been such an inspiration to myself and I'm sure to a lot of other people who are in this community. And so tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, SMC, the uh, your agency. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks so much for having me. I've known Matt for a long time. Uh, we connected on social media a long, long time ago. He actually, when I first got started on TikTok and I started sharing business advice that no one, like almost no one was listening to, um, I was kind of filling it out. Matt reached out and he had like a bazillion followers. And so he was like, hey, man, good content. I appreciate it. Keep it up. And I was like, okay, I, maybe I'm on to something because he actually has some followers on here. And then uh, as I got to know him and what he's building is actually, I saw a lot of correlations between what I was doing and what you were doing. And uh, um, we've actually been on some lives together and things like that. So appreciate you having me on. Just a quick background on me. Um, I am 40 years old. Uh, I started my agency about 15 years ago. We pivoted from starting at a email marketing company all the way now to a dental marketing company. And we are an Inc. 5000 fastest growing company two times. The first time that we made that list, it was one of the most painful experiences that I ever went through. We grew, like all my entrepreneur dreams came true, all of them, mm -hmm. and and exceeded them. But it was so painful that it had me questioning if this is something I even want to keep doing. And I realized right away that I was really good at doing the thing, which is whatever the service is inside of your business, whether you're a dentist or whether you're a marketing person or a coach. I was good at that thing, but I didn't learn how to be a leader yet. And I had to learn on the job. And we actually went from having a very toxic culture to having one of the best cultures now that I, I'm so excited to show up to work every day. We made the Inc. 5000 list the second time, way smoother, way better. And it was because we learned how to really put, and I know it sounds cliche, people say it all the time, we really put people first. And then I believe that if you put people first, you have good relationships with people that you can build anything that you want to build and you get everybody on the same page and go, we're going, we're way past where I ever dreamed of. And I'm really excited about this next year um, and what we're growing. And so that's, that's a little bit about me. I have a big family too. I have uh, six kids that live inside my house and, um, and uh, always, always busy. So um, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. You know, it's uh, with with everything that you mentioned, especially with six kids, you know, I, I think that's really the reason why we gravitated towards each other is that a lot of times people get into situations like this and especially entrepreneurs, they want to build something, but they forget about the responsibility behind it. Yeah. And they forget about, about, you know, talking to people and communicating appropriately with people. And then also people forget that it pulls you away from your family. How have you been able to balance not only six kids, but uh, I'm, I'm assuming you had at least some of those kids before you started the before you started your agency. I actually How were you able to. Yeah, so my first kid was born right after I started my agency, and it was in 2008. The economy completely crashed right after I started my agency. I had a kid, 
and it was um very very difficult and so it's it's tricky because when you first start you're you're driven by fear and actually fear is like an incredible motivator right like if you if you're on a safari and a lion comes out like you're going to run faster than you probably ever ran before but the problem with fear is is it's not a it's not something you want to do over long periods of time because it's very unhealthy for you and puts a ton of strain and you don't treat people properly you don't look at the world in the right way and it's very very limiting like fear will limit you but that's kind of i I think that we all kind of go through that at the beginning that we have this fear and it drives us like for me it was i i need to feed my family so i need to go out and sell Mm -hmm. and again great motivator at the beginning not something i recommend long term over time i learned that um i'm i'm i i i have adhd i think you do too right and Mm -hmm. so it's like in school i always thought like okay i'm I'm not going to be able to like really have a job or like all these different things that limiting beliefs that i had and i wasn't i but i knew i would be successful which i know sounds weird i just knew that i could figure things out Mm -hmm. what i learned about myself is i can hyper fixate on one thing and become an expert in it really quickly whatever that Mm -hmm. one thing is wherever i point my attention and i just can't have a lot of things like that going on yeah and so once I realized that about myself, I realized that I could hyper focus on my job and ignore everything else in my life and everything else would fall apart. And so what I had to learn, I actually had somebody teach me this framework and to answer your question directly. And it's, it's not about work-life balance. It's about work-life harmony. Mm -hmm. So work-life balance means that there's like, it's equal. And I Mm -hmm. don't believe that you can ever really get to that equilibrium. There's going to be times where your business really needs you. And I communicate with my wife, my kids. I tell them, hey, like I, for the next two weeks, I'm locked in on this. And I'll, we have our, our rituals. Like we have dinner together. We go to church. We do those kind of things. We do have date night. So I keep all that in place. Right. But outside of that, I'm like, guys, I am hyper-focused on this. I got to get this thing done. Yeah. And then there's other times where my family, where we go on a cruise together or we, we go, uh, we do a staycation. And I tell them, I'm leaving my phone at home. We're just going to hyper-focus on this. Or maybe someone's sick. Like my son had his appendix out one time and I kind of had to shut everything down for like a week. And those things happen. And it's that's not balance. That's right. harmony. And you have to have that give and take. And you have to be really like, uh, for me, I had to learn how to be self-aware of what's going on around me and then also the needs of the people around me. And I'm not like a master at it by any means, but what's helped me is block scheduling. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to-do list. To-do list drive me insane because I can't actually see how much time my to-do list, like if I, I used to put everything on a list and one project would be like three minutes long and another project might be four hours long mm-hmm. and that doesn't compute, didn't compute well with my brain. So now I have everything on a calendar. And so any to-do goes on my calendar, including my date with my wife on Fridays, my kids going to all their basketball games, um, you know, or whatever, you know, my date with my daughters when we go out and do things like, so whatever I'm doing, it goes onto my calendar. And that really has helped me make sure that I'm putting the appropriate time that I need to in each facet of my life. When, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of funny because when people think of ADHD, they think that people just flat out just can't focus, but in all reality, people with the ADHD can focus just like you mentioned hyper-focusing for a long period of time and people don't realize that. I I also don't think that a lot of people realize that a lot of people with ADHD 
uh, do gravitate towards entrepreneurship and do gravitate or, or business owners in some some way, shape or form. And there's also a lot of links to people with with ADHD to get into, into toxic relationships because of the love bombing, because there's always something going on. There's always something moving and, and there's 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 a lot of links there. I, I'm assuming that that also as much success that you had also possibly got in your way a couple of times, whether you whether it was when you were young or in school. Um, what type of what type of hiccups did that present for you growing up? So for me, when I was younger, I didn't realize that I could hyper fixate to the well, I'll put it this way. I tell people now, um, hey, I have ADHD, but I promise to only use it for good. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm only going to use this superpower for good because it right. really is for me. I, I have an advantage. My wife watches me do th where she'll listen and she'll see me like hyper fixate on stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm like selling it yeah. and it becomes like a company. And she's just like, how do you do that? Like, how mm -hmm. can you stay that focus? And I'm like, oh, it's easy. And then I get bored and then I move on to it. So there's 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 some frameworks around that that I, I would like to share with your audience, which I'll go back to. But you asked me, how do how did this in negatively impact me early on? So for me early on, <clears throat> I would use this for like, I'd be the life of the party. And that was mm -hmm. great, right? And I was like, I'm going to be the life of the party. But I didn't realize like that didn't really serve me in anything. It didn't right. bring any real value. Mm -hmm. It was actually just brought a lot of heartache and like uh, destruction. I, and so I was always fixated on like satisfaction now over long-term gain. And I didn't have any long-term like game plan or anything like that. It was just what brings me uh, happiness uh, or satisfaction in the moment. Right. And when you hyper fixate on that, it actually leads to depression. It leads to a lot because you're like, why am I not where I want to be in my life? Right. And it's because, well, because you focused on the now anything good is always always comes from focusing on the long-term mm -hmm. um, gain of things and there's sacrificial things that you have to give up so like early on in life like I gave up drinking drugs all like all those kind of things because I and for me it was those are just so destructive and I got those things out of my way um, and got you know the party all that stuff like very early on in life I actually got in trouble I went to jail just it was just like I was a mess mm -hmm. and so I re removed a lot of that stuff. And what happened was, is I got hyper-focused on positive outcomes over long periods of time and they compound. So mm -hmm. just like negative things compound, like you get a speeding ticket and then you don't respond to the speeding ticket and that turns into a warrant for your arrest and that turns into you actually are in jail now because of that. Like that's a negative compounding effect. Right. The opposite is true with the positive things. They compound over time. So you find the activities that are going to produce the most fruit and then you compound those and you hit them over over and over and over and again and it really it ends in a, a great a great outcomes one of my favorite books that talks about that compounding is uh atomic habits i don't know if you've read that one yep. of my favorite favorite books i always recommend to people uh when we talk about that compounding i want to circle back to something that you mentioned earlier that that your agency at one point in time actually had more of a toxic culture do, were you able to kind of pinpoint where that started and how that compounded into what what you just what you described as a as a toxic culture? Yeah, so I'll give you a framework around this so that I that helps that helps me. So um, 
So I believe that every entrepreneur goes through this and I, I went through it and I've seen it in other people and I haven't had anybody really challenge me on it yet. So I'd love your feedback on it. So it's, it's basically you start off and you become an expert at whatever the thing is. So for me, it was like marketing. Um, and that's it. You're just this expert at marketing and you have to really work hard at that. And it's, and this is true for any business, baker, um, a dentist, anything. Then the next level is entrepreneur. How do I actually make this work for me? Um, but from a business sense, so I I know how to do the thing, but can I scale the thing? Can I, can I, can I get more people to buy it? Can I sell more of them? Can I make it more profitable? Can I make, make it more consistent? And that's the entrepreneur, which is different than the expert Two different things. But I find that people move from the first one to the second one with less friction because it's very natural. The third one is a leader. So you move from an entrepreneur to a leader, which is a completely different skill set. And just because you're good at the first two does not mean you're going to be good at the next one. Right. And there's actual skills involved with it. And they're, they're less apparent because in the entrepreneur, you have market feedback of clients telling you, you stink or you're good. We're going to buy more of that. We're going to buy less of that. And so you have all this feedback all the time and you use that to get better, whether you notice it or not with the leader people aren't allowed to give you feedback unless you give them permission because you can fire them right as a leader and, and you are dictating their future. So people are not going to give you the feedback that you need to get better unless you create an environment for that. So the reason that I had a very toxic environment early on was I didn't know how to be a leader. I was just an expert learning how to be an entrepreneur. And so I didn't, I was totally oblivious to what being a CEO meant. I just thought that meant being good at marketing for me. And so what happened was, is I did not create an environment that gave me uh, positive or negative feedback loops with the team. And so what I did to control that, not really, I didn't really realize it at the time, but I created silos because it was easier for me to manage people in silos. And I didn't have to deal with like drama where this person's doing this, but you know, and dealing with this, which I thought was really like, it seemed like, oh, this is easier. However, that people still talk, right? And so there's still drama. They're just hiding it. They're suppressing it, which creates a a cooking pot or a, 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 you know, yeah, pressure cooker, explosive situation. So I'd have these these explosions where all this emotion would bubble up from our team. And I'm going, what, guys, I don't even know where this is coming from. I just want to grow the agency. And, And then over time, I realized this is all on me. I need to get better. And when we hyper, what we did is we flipped the model around and I said, look, all I care about is the team. That's my job. hundred percent is my job. I'm not the expert. I am an expert at marketing, but I, that's not my job anymore. That's your guys' job. Um, I I've already figured out how to be an entrepreneur and how to make money off of this. Now I'm a leader and I'm here for you guys. What, what can I do to help you guys? And over time we started to get people to show up, be transparent, be honest, give us feedback. We, we had surveys, EMPS scores where people could give blind uh, um, information back to us. And at first people had to kind of slowly work into it, right? Cause they don't yeah. know what they're walking into. Is it, am I going to be a buzzsaw and fire them yeah. and roast them in front of everybody? Or am I going to be compassionate and work with them? And over time people saw, okay, he's really trying to help us. We had some really bad actors in the company mm-hmm. that were causing a lot of the drama and over time, they weeded themselves out. And then eventually, we're at almost 100 total team members right now. And that's that's what now the culture is much better 
I love showing up to work every day and it's because of the team. Um, but that, that was not something that happened overnight. What was some of the feedback that you got that may have shocked you? And the reason why I, part of the reason why I'm asking is that people who are listening, I think that's something that they can, that they can take with them regardless if they, regardless if it's at work or in a personal relationship is accepting that, that feedback that they get from their wife, their husband, their boss, their coworker, that is really, really difficult to allow for that level of vulnerability for someone to literally point out your flaws. Yeah. So the, the best feedback that I've gotten that's helped me the most is that I, I always say everything's easy because it seems easy to me. I move way too fast and I have no problem going from one project to the next project to the next project. So about a year or two ago, it was like, Gary, just be quiet, right? Like just allow the team to digest this, work through it. And then we move on to the next thing. And that's hard for me. Like for some mm -hmm. people, it might be like, that sounds easy. This sounds like you have an easy job. For me, it's extremely hard because I have yeah. like a million ideas. I have a million places I want to be and it changes every day, right? Yeah. So that that's probably been the most helpful. What the other thing that I've noticed is, um, the, I wouldn't call it surprising, but I would say um, people, I, I used to have all these limiting beliefs, right? So I used to be like, I don't want to share how much money the company's making overall because then the yeah. team will get mad or something. Like I just tell myself these weird stories. And then I had a coach tell me like, no, um, like why do people like working at Apple? Apple makes billions of dollars and they're yeah. extremely profitable. It's because people feel secure at Apple. If I have a job at Apple, I know I'm good. Like everything's as safe as you can get as a job. Um, and, and so it's like, how do you, so I had to like overcome all these thoughts that I had that I was taught and that yeah. some I just made up um, and, and really start to communicate with the team. And where I learned how to do this was actually during COVID. <laughs> we had, we lost 75% of our business. We had about 15, 16 team members and we lost, um, a ton of money. Like we were at about $300,000 a month in MRR, there's 250, somewhere in there, lost 75% of that, had no money to pay for anything basically. Mm -hmm. So I went to the team and I said, look guys, I'm making this executive decision. I'm taking out loans. Um, I didn't have any debt at the time and I am going to take out enough loans to be able to have, I think it was 90 days or four months of payroll met. Mm -hmm. So we all have jobs for the next 90 days, including me. <laughs> but after that, if things don't turn around, I don't have enough money to do to pay for things and i'm gonna go bankrupt and have to close the doors yeah and i think everybody was in that position at that time or a lot of people were most most mm -hmm. people were in that position at that time because every the market was completely frozen um and so they and then i just said every week we're gonna meet and i'm just gonna be transparent with you here's how much debt we have here's how much of a runway we have here's what i'm hoping that happens here's what's actually happening Mm -hmm. And the team like received that so well and they really appreciated that I bet on them and mm -hmm. I bet on the market turning and I was right because my bet was if the economy stays closed for four months, like total, like a hundred percent closed for four mm -hmm. months, I'm going to have way worse problems than I'm, I'm going to need to figure out where to get food from. Right? right. Like that's, that's way bigger than, Oh, how am I going to pay off this loan? But the, I, so I knew I, I, I really believed that the economy was going to open up and they wouldn't keep it closed that long. And it did. And when it did, we exploded because of that. And so I learned right there, like, okay, I went against all my instincts, mm -hmm. all my gut, all what all my competition did, what all my clients did. They all shut down, laid everybody off. When the tidal wave turned the other direction, 
we were ready for it. Like yeah. we had the team ready for it. We had it there and we five, five X the company. Like we grew very, very fast. And, um, that was painful. That's a whole nother story. But the, um, but that's, that's how I kind of learned. Okay. It, it, I can't believe what my brain's telling me to do in communication. Yeah. I have to get vulnerable and vulnerability is interesting because so when you get vulnerable, yes, you are opening yourself. It's like people are like, well, I've been hurt. I love people and I was hurt. So I, I'm never going to love again. Well, yes, vulnerability, vulnerable is very similar, right? Can right. people hurt you when you're vulnerable? Like, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm weak at this. Yes, people can. But not everybody does. No. And what vulnerability actually does is it, it shows your human side to other mm -hmm. people. And most people are compassionate towards that. Mm -hmm. And they actually come in and help where most entrepreneurs are trying to fake it till they make it, Yeah, which I've, I've been there. Um, and so I'd fake, 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 fake. Well, nobody would help me because I'm, I'm giving off this image that I have it all figured out. I'm all yeah. put together. You can't help somebody like that. It's impossible. No. And any, uh, anytime you try to help somebody like that, they take offense to it. So most people don't. But when you're vulnerable, you're opening the door for help. And so I'm always practicing, like, how do I get vulnerable with a team Tell them what I'm good at. Tell them what I'm not. Tell, tell them what I'm worried about, what I'm not worried about. And that allows the team to come in and support. And that's been a huge help to me in every aspect of my life. Did you notice that they became more vulnerable with you or did they yes. close up or how did that go? Absolutely. But you always, the leader always has to go first. Right. Absolutely. That, like, nobody else, the team is never going to, I've never seen a team member just come to a job and be vulnerable with day one. It doesn't work one, that way. One of the questions I have, because uh, I, I think this is true of pretty much all entrepreneurs, is that at some point in time, you got to take a risk. And you you mentioned that you you bet on your team, you bet on yourself in those times, and, and then it ended up being a blessing in disguise. I've told my story here. here. I, I haven't shared it with you, but uh, – <laughs> The whole thing where people say, you know, make sure that your business makes as much as your current job before you. I, I didn't do any of that. I just quit. I just knew that if I didn't, if I didn't, I'm not saying that that's what everyone needs to do, but that's, I knew that's what would work for me. Going back to what you'd mentioned in terms of being scared, I knew if I didn't make that leap that it just wasn't going to happen. I couldn't focus. I couldn't. I didn't. wasn't managing my time properly. For people who are listening, how does someone know? whether to make that game, make that gamble, make that leap or, or play it safe or, uh, how does someone make that, make that choice? I think there's a couple of things. Number one, if you're young, um, that's the best time to take risk because the actual downside is super small, right? Like if you're single and your apartment rent is like, for me at the time, it was 1200 bucks or something like that. And it was like, you know, when I was 18, 19 years old, that's if I would have started taking risks earlier on, the, the downside is like, oh, I'm going to move in with, you know, my parents for a little bit, yeah. or I have to move in with a friend and rent a room again. Like the risk is very small. You're probably not going to starve to death. Right? right. So take those risks when you're young and that the, the starting is the hardest part. That's the absolute hardest part because so you don't know what you don't know. Right. And, and you're going to have to start and fail. Like mm -hmm. failure is part of it. This idea, I used to have a, like a sports mentality about starting or doing anything mm -hmm. and so sports is sports is very clear there's a winner there's a loser there's a scoreboard everybody knows what's going on everybody knows what team everybody's on everybody knows the rules of the game entrepreneurship is not that way at all okay. it's it's a long-term game there is no you decide the winners and the losers for yourself 
you actually aren't competing against anybody. You're actually competing against yourself. Mm-hmm. And they, when you get really, when you get bigger, there is competition comes in and all that kind of stuff. But when you're early starting out, you have the competitive advantage because you could literally be anything you want to be right. in that in that market. Which means if all the competition's over here, you start over here. So now for me to actually start, what it took, I was like you. I was going every year. I'd get a new job, and I couldn't figure out why I would get so bored at these jobs. It didn't matter what the job was. It didn't matter how good or not good it was at it. I would just get bored once, once I figured it out. So it was like, okay, cool. I figured this job out. I know I can do, this is the bare minimum I need to do to keep this job. Here's what I need to do to excel at it. And here's the roof that I'll be able to move up in this company. Like I'd figure it out very, very quickly. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm done with this game. And it was, it was basically a game to me, like is how I was viewing it in my brain. So I would just go find the next job or the next game. And people would be like, Gary, we're going to invest into you. And we think that you can take this to this. Once I took it to that, it was like, I'm, I'm done. So yeah. I went to my boss and I said, I'm quitting. He was like, what are you doing? I said, email marketing. I have this software. He's like, Gary, you have a family. Like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, You're, this is crazy. It's reckless. And I was like, uh, oh, yeah. And maybe I, I just don't know what else to do. Right. What what the entrepreneurship allowed me to do is recreate it, recreate it, recreate it, and move on to the new thing. Right now, I'm focused on how do I be a better leader? How do right. I how do I motivate a hundred people and, and all at the same time in the same direction? Mm-hmm. How do I um, you know build those kind of things out? And it's fat. It's hard. It's extremely complex, but it, it's fun. Like, and I know in a year from now, I'm going to be focusing and working on the next thing because that's how I'm built. Um, so I would say if you are bored all the time, risk doesn't really bother you that much. And you, you know, that you can keep working, like you don't have health problems, things like that. I would say do it, like just do the thing, especially if you're younger, like just jump in and do it where what's, and what's the worst that would happen? What is the worst thing that would happen from you? If you fail, you went for it and you failed. And if it's not like die and it's not like, Hey, my, me, my, four kids are going to be homeless. You know what I mean? Because I have a mortgage. It's different. Once you get a mortgage, once you get a car note, once you have all the kids, it it becomes much harder. You can still do it. I'm not saying you can't because people do it all the time, but now you have to start factoring in. Okay. How do I make sure I keep this revenue at this? I'm going to transition it and go like this with the revenue that changes everything. But early on, I'd say just go for it. I, uh, you're going to laugh at this story because I had the same conversation with my supervisor. I remember 2016, uh, I, I was uh, more of your traditional therapist at the time. And uh, I said, I, uh, I think I'm going to stop doing this and I'm, I'm going to start coaching people online, start creating content. And, uh, I, I see the, the direction that everything is going is for people to see is to meet via zoom. And they were like, you are committing career suicide. People will never want to see a therapist online. That's absolutely crazy. They're always going to want to see them in person. And then, you know, I just went for it. Like you said, then 2020 hit and no one was prepared. No one, there was no therapist, you know, close to nationwide, at least initially that was prepared, you know, because, you know, there's HIPAA and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And so everyone was scrambling and I was already ready to go. And then exactly what you mentioned, where it just, Everything just completely took off, um, you know. And then that, that's uh, that's how we took off. But the uh, one question I wanted to to talk to you about before we hop off is, uh, I know you 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 talk a lot about 
execution versus strategy. And oftentimes with entrepreneurs, they spend a lot of time coming up with plans, writing things out, the vision boards, all this, all that, but then they actually don't lean into that fear and actually gravitate and actually execute on the actual plan. I know you talk a lot about that on your on your podcast and, and on your platform. Can you talk a little bit about that here too? Absolutely. And just what you said right there, I love that you went for it and you did it. And because the market pivoted and you were the young one into the market, you became the expert in the market. And it's fascinating when you, right now with technology, pretty much you can become an expert and the leader in almost any subject if you just dive into it and you do it and you just put that spin on, hey, we're going to do it differently though. And I I think that's amazing. So great, not only great timing, but even if you would have been off by a year or two, like you would have been right eventually, right? Uh Like absolutely that. And I think that's awesome. I think that's the awesome thing about entrepreneurship. Okay. So um, strategy versus um, execution. So strategy, I love strategy. Every entrepreneur I know loves strategy. And, and the reason why is strategy has a, a bunch of benefits to it. So strategy is easy for someone like us because we see all these opportunities. We're like, no, there's like, there's too many opportunities, right? Yeah. And then how are we going to capture those opportunities? And you, you and I could spend an hour talking about just digital opportunities. We could talk about marketing opportunities. We could talk about even what you do inside your business, like all the different opportunities there are. And it's really, really easy. Strategy is in the head. So it's just always there. It doesn't, for those that are good at strategy or just it comes natural, they don't have to try at it. It just kind of, you give a scenario and give them 30 seconds and then all of a sudden strategy starts spitting out. Um, Strategy only needs um, one person. You don't need a party to strategy. You can, you just, for me, I go to bed at night with all these ideas. I I wake up in the morning with all these ideas. Um, I don't need a team or anything like that. Strategy takes almost no work. Like for those that are good at it, strategy can exist outside of the system. So there's no system that you need to come up with strategy. You just do it. Mm -hmm. Um, It just comes naturally again. It doesn't need alignment. It doesn't, and it doesn't need outcomes. You don't focus on outcomes with strategy. You're just like, hey, I think this would be really, really good, right? Okay, execution's totally different. Execution's super hard. Execution is external, not internal. Execution usually needs buy-in from many. To like execute. Mm-hmm. If you have a company of four, you're going to need all four people to usually execute on your strategy. Yeah. Um, execution takes a lot of work and it takes testing. And then you also need to live inside. Uh, execution has to live inside of a system. Mm-hmm. It can't live outside of a system. It w- doesn't work that way. And then also it requires focus on action. So uh, as I'm starting to learn these things and I'm going, I can throw the strategy at you all day, but then executing super hard that is why. So what are the, what's the, what's the four things that we need to have to be able to execute on, um, execution, like to follow through on things. It's number one, you have to have focus. Mm-hmm. Well, strategy, you don't have to have focus. You can have right. a million strategies. Cause it's all execution. about creativity with strategy. Exactly. It's the opposite. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're so good at it. It's because we have ADHD and yep. our attention's just like bloop, 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 squirrel, you know, over and over and over again, where, where execution is extreme focus. Yeah. So now we have to get outside of what we're good at and turn off all everything else, all those other opportunities and go, now I'm going to focus on this one thing that's yeah. super hard to do for entrepreneurs. Then number two, you have to learn lagging. You have to learn uh, leading and lagging KPIs. Mm-hmm. So we get good at lagging KPIs. So it's like, oh man, we didn't hit our, our goal of sales this month. 
But what was the leading KPI that caused that? Right. Well, probably you didn't have enough sales calls. And why didn't you have enough sales calls? Because you probably didn't make enough outreach, right. right? So it's like learning those leading KPIs that lead into your lagging KPIs. And then number three, you need to have a scoreboard of that. So once you go, okay, I'm singular focused. I'm only going to execute on this one thing. I have lagging and leading KPIs. And then I also have a scoreboard, right? So I know if I'm winning day by day, and you have to be really clear on that, especially with the team, is you have to be clear on the scoreboard being winning and losing. And I, I heard a quote. It said, if your team doesn't know what winning looks like, they probably don't know what losing looks like either. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then lastly, you need a accountability cadence. So you need to be accountable to someone about the things that we just listed here. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be consistent. It can't just be once a year. It needs to be every week or every month or however you want to set it up. Yeah. If you have that, if you can take that high-level strategy, boil it down, get super clear on that one focus, you can execute to the moon. And it's super hard to do, though, right? For it is. One, like of the, one, of the things, uh, one of the things I've learned between strategy and execution when it comes to team members or with uh, whether this, whether you are in a relationship, whether we're talking about a romantic relationship or your team members, if you're an entrepreneur, is that oftentimes that, that bridge in between the two, when you communicate that to your team or to your partner, if they ask for more clarity, you got to give it to them. You have to. Because oftentimes what happens is that that leader oftentimes gets frustrated. They're like, how come you just can't get this? How come you just can't, you just won't do this or you just won't do that? But you forget that you've been thinking about that strategy for days, weeks, months, maybe yep. even years. Yep. And then you want them to pick it up like that and just run with it because now you're ready. You're ready to pop. But you you have to give them that leeway, that patience and, and provide that clarity. And you'd be really surprised that the feedback that you're going to get that sometimes they might know of a way for it to happen faster, quicker, more efficient. 100%. Because now all of a sudden it breathes life into their vision, into their strategy of of the way that they might see in their vision as well. That's such a good point. Any to be successful in anything, in sports, in your marriage, in your work, you have to have alignment. So that yeah. means you need people rowing in the same direction. Anytime yeah. you go rowing in different directions, it's not good. And alignment's created by clarity. And what I really had to learn the hard way is that if if someone else doesn't have clarity, it's not their fault. That's my fault. Right. And, and, and you have to repeat yourself over and over and over again. You have to teach through repetition, yeah. just like anything. Mm -hmm. And the, what I also learned was I used to be like, oh, my team, they stink. They're not mm -hmm. good. It's their fault. It's their fault. What I didn't realize is that I had no, you don't have any power in that. No. You give away all the power. So if you say my relationship stinks, any relationship because of them, yeah. it's 100% because of them. What you're saying is I have no control over the situation. I have no input that I can give. And it's basically done. Like it's yeah. a done deal. Where if you flip it and say, you know what? That's 100% on me. And I control providing that clarity. Then now you own full control of that relationship. And it just like gives you so much more momentum but it can feel like people are maybe slower or people don't, you know, why don't they get it? But again, if you just take ownership of it and just say, that's on me, I need to get better at communicating that. Um, it just, it gives you all the control. Now, some people, I do say this, some people, well, I'm not for everybody. Right. Right. I'm not for everybody. Not everybody's going to like me and that's okay. And not everybody's going to be on board with the vision. Mm -hmm. I'm totally good with that. In fact, 
I encourage that. Like you may grow in a company that you may, when we had, we're in startup mode, when we got, you know, when we were growing really fast, we told people all the time, like, just count on us changing everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you yeah. can count on for startup minded people who don't like structure. It was amazing. Once we started adding in structure, it wasn't a good company for them anymore. They were like, I don't want to work here anymore. And that's actually, it's okay. Yeah. I had to get okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not a, it's not a, not a representation of you, Gary, I could talk to you all day long. I appreciate you so much. Um, and, uh, and I want to, I want to go ahead and, uh, end this now. Cause I know with both of our ADHDs, we can just keep on, keep going <laughs> and we'll have to do this again at some point yes. in time for sure though. Uh, yep, and I'm going to bring line. you on my podcast too. You're going to come on, right? Oh, hundred percent. Okay, Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Gary Bird. We appreciate him. Make sure you guys comment down below your thoughts. And, you know, he definitely dropped a lot of gems and especially in terms of strategy and in terms of, uh, in terms of being an entrepreneur and leadership. So thank you guys very much for tuning in to the Matt Pfeiffer experience. This, um, if you want to, if you're watching on the playback, make sure you guys comment down below, make sure you subscribe, make sure you hit the bell notification. We, we, Put out new episodes five days a week, Monday through Friday. With all that being said, you guys have a great evening.